It's time for the weekly sports dump. And I'm your host, Joe Canale. Okay, folks, we've reached the divisional round of the playoffs here in the NFL. And so, as we've been doing all season long, we've got the football consigliere with us, Pro Football Max, to go over the games for this weekend. How you doing, Max? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. Uh, great playoffs last week, uh, except for the, the, the Cowboys game. Although, seeing... Uh, Seeing, seeing Tom Brady lose is kind of doesn't matter what the margin is. Wasn't the most competitive game, but it was still entertaining nonetheless. Yes. Well, I mean, if only because Brett Maher kept everybody interested in what was going to happen on the next Dallas touchdown. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you can gamble on missing four extra points. Probably not. It never been done before. But if you can in-game gamble on each miss, somebody made a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's just, uh, we'll, as we've been doing, we'll go in, in, in order. I didn't need to start the, the game review with such a long, ah, uh, but too bad. All right. We'll go to Kansas city, Jacksonville at Kansas city. This, this game is, you know, at least by experience, th- this seems to be the widest margin between two teams. But last week, you know, 27-point deficit didn't stop Jacksonville. So, And I think Peterson is a very good coach. And Andy Reid has a checkered checkered history in the, in the playoffs. Obviously, some successes, also some early exits. No, it's very true. You know, Andy Reid and Doug Peterson um, know each other real well. Doug Peterson comes from the Andy Reid tree of coaching like so many others around the NFL. And it's just funny because Andy Reid spent, what was it, 12 or 13 years in Philadelphia getting so close to the Super Bowl, to winning a Super Bowl. And then Doug Peterson went in and did it in his first or second year as head coach in Philadelphia. And while I'll never understand why Doug Peterson Philadelphia parted ways, he absolutely ended up in the best case scenario in Jacksonville, getting to coach Trevor Lawrence for the next five to 10 years. And, you know, they, they showed it last week, their first playoff appearance together. We talked about it. Doug Peterson knows how to coach for the playoffs. Yeah. He got to a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. He won another one the next year with Nick Foles. He he knows how to strategize and to get a team competitive. Well, while this does appear to be the largest margin between teams in the league, I do expect this game to be a lot closer because I think Jacksonville will be able to score a lot of points. I see them scoring over 25 in this game. Sure. Pro- problem is I see Kansas City scoring closer to 40. Yeah. You know, Kansas City has a run defense, so it's going to be hard for um, Trevor Lawrence to establish that pass early. While I do think he'll score a lot of points, I think there'll be more in the second half than the first half. I think it'll be a result of them playing catch-up. All right. Well, now I see you have 65 points as your total. 65 Uh, and i think that's going to be the highest scoring total of the weekend of any game in a 38 to 27 game i think kansas city will put it up early and they'll keep you know you know that old big brother little brother trick where you put the hand on the forehead and say try to touch me yep i I think that's what we're going to get in this one but i think you know as far as jacksonville goes you know 
Patrick Mahomes is already a star, and Josh Allen became a national name losing to Patrick Mahomes. Joe Burrow became a national name by beating Patrick Mahomes. And, and I think this is the game that puts Trevor Lawrence on the map and gets him a little bit close. I think, well, I, I, I don't think they'll win. I could see him throwing for more yards than Mahomes, throwing for more passes, possibly even having more touchdowns. I think a lot of people who did not know who Trevor Lawrence was before this game are going to realize that he is in that Mahomes, Allen, Burrow territory, or at least he's getting there. And so there'll be a lot of positives for Jacksonville coming out of this game. I just don't see them winning it. Yeah, and that second half, uh, that, that, the way you describe the game, that follows kind of the profile for both teams. Kansas City keeps, you know, they, like you said, the teams, they keep teams around. They don't cover a lot, uh, but ultimately the, the, the games are often, even though they seem close, they're really never in, in doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Trevor Lawrence, you know, I don't know if he has passed over Justin Herbert with that win last week, but I think because it was the Chargers and and Jags, that was the least watched playoff game, I have to think. And in the second half, people probably turned it off. Oh, uh, without a doubt, a lot of people turned it off at halftime. They saw the interception. The was going. Yeah, but nobody's going to turn off this game. You watch Patrick Mahomes to the end. That's true. That that is true because he could do something crazy to get them a twenty-eight point lead. Uh, mm-hmm. and so your final score you got predicted on this one is 38-27 Kansas City victory. All right. So now moving on to my New York Giants, a divisional battle. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of divisional matchups in these playoffs, quite a few last week. And now this one, this has been played twice before, Philly winning both. Yeah, twice towards the end of the season. You know, these two teams played each other twice in the last six weeks of football, last five weeks of the regular season. And Philly did take both away. And, you know, when you think about Philadelphia and you look at the overall season now that the stats are out, you know, they're they're. Two, there are three teams in football that ranked in the top 10 in both offense and defense. There were two teams that ranked in the top five in both offense and defense. There was only one team that ranked in the top three in both offense and defense, and that was Philadelphia. Nope. They really did have one of those great seasons, and, and people are forgetting about it a little bit because the best parts were in the first half and not the second half. But, you know, at the end of the season, they're number nine um, for passing the ball on offense. Number five at running the ball on offense gives them an overall grade of being the third ranked team on offense. And on defense, they're number two overall ranked because they're ranked number one against the pass. But they are ranked number 17th against the run. And that is definitely what New York does best. Number fourth rushing offense in football. They not only have a great running back who can run all day and night, they got a good quarterback who can run too, and he's coming off the game of his life. Yeah. That game last week, I you know, I, I used to say to people, I'd say, Daniel Jones is like a poor, poor, poor man's Josh Allen. Well, he graduated to just one poor last week to be Whoa, the poor man's Josh Allen. Poor. He looked as incredible as anything, and he's got the guy who raised Josh Allen up from a pup being his head coach, calling plays in his year, and a not-going-to-win coach of the year, but definitely a candidate, Brian Dable. So, I mean, division games are always closer than they should be. These two teams did play a tight game. Granted, a lot of guys sat in Week 18, but they did play a tight game a couple weeks ago. But, 
you know, we spent a lot of time this season talking about New York, you and I being that you're a Giants fan, about how the Giants were the last team, one of the last teams to have a 30-point game. Yeah. And Jones was one of the last quarterbacks. He only threw for uh, 300 yards twice this season. Both against Minnesota, I believe. uh, Something like that. I think he had one other. But, yeah, it's just – there's this has been such a good year for the Giants, and I think last week was really their Super Bowl in this divisional game. Even though divisional games are closer than they should be, I I actually think Philadelphia is going to pound them down pretty good on this one. I see. Um, you got forty twenty. Yeah, unless Jalen Hurts is actually hurt, and there's something actually wrong with him that limits the Philly offense. I see them scoring 40 points and I don't see the Giants scoring more than 20. So I'm going 40 to 20 with the final score. Philadelphia wins. Woo. Philly with a big cover. And I think that's probably the over on that one. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen that way, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly. Uh, the one thing is if the Giants have zero turnovers, I think they can keep it close. If they have two turnovers, it's over. One mm-hmm. turnover is whatever, but like more than one turnover, then that 40 to 20 might be exactly right. Now, Danny Dimes has been good this year at keeping the ball, but playoffs, who knows? But if he does, if he does, if he, if he replicates Nick last week, he's made a lot of money in these you last know, two weeks. But that's the thing is last week he was going against the defense that ranked number 31st against the past. And this week he's going against the defense that ranks first against the pass. There will be and a so- difference. A huge, that's 30 spots on the pecking order right there. Yeah, true. Now, speaking of, you know, quarterback whisperer Brian Dayball and his effect in New York, I think his his leaving Buffalo, the effects have been felt there as well because we're seeing more of the unpredictable Josh Allen. Yeah. And so in this, you have kind of cool Joe Burrow, Joe Cool Burrow or Burrow, cool, comma, Joe, whatever you want to say against, I guess, uh, the volatile is the best word for Josh Allen, perhaps. Yeah, you know, Josh Allen's early years, he did a lot of things right. You know, ran well with the ball, that rocket arm, and he didn't turn it over in the red zone. But if you watch Josh Allen during years one and two, there were a lot of games where he seemed to think he had to do it himself. And that's when he made mistakes and caused turnovers. But then in year three, they brought Stefan Diggs in, and that really settled him down, having a receiver he knew he could depend on. Year four, it looked like he really fully put it together and had it all gone. But this year, there have been a lot of games where he's back to that young player who thinks he needs to do it all himself, to put it all on his back. And he's getting a lot of encouragement of that from Buffalo fans who you're you're our guy <laughs> to the media who says this is the man of the team. This is one right. of the faces of the league. Everyone wants to see him put it on his back and carry it. He's played less of a team game as a result. And Buffalo does do some haphazard things. There's some inexplainable turnovers over the course of the season. You know, we were together that game versus the Jets with those two late turnovers. And it was just, oh, this is not the Josh Allen you had been accustomed to seeing. He fumbled on the goal line against Minnesota. Minnesota. But this was the Josh Allen that you saw the first two years. Not the last two years, but the first two years. And if he carries that into the playoffs, it it, it is a very, very dangerous, uh, dangerous way to live. 
Yeah, he, he, it's, it's as you're describing it, he's reminding me a little bit of Brett Favre. Brett Favre is a great, great comparison for Josh Allen. A yeah, great he, Brett comparison. Favre 2.0. Mm -hmm. He's a little bigger and runs a little bit better. And boy, they both have the rocket arm and they both like to sh show it off mm -hmm. no matter what. And, you know, for a while, like we said, you know, when Dabble was there, Allen seemed to shy away from those tendencies. But Dabble is gone. And Ken Dorsey, I believe, is the quarterback. And we, you know, we've all seen how vital he can be. So that's right up in the booth. Uh, so so you've got uh, Buffalo winning this one. Another tight game uh, and another high scoring game. I do. I, I think, you know, neither of these teams has lost in the last two months. Um, since right. their last meeting, they've both won back-to-back -back games against division opponents. Neither one of these teams has had an easy ride over the last two weeks. Buffalo essentially knocking out both New England and Miami from the playoffs, where Cincinnati had to beat Baltimore twice. You know, it's it's really hard to find an advantage when you look at the teams. You know, Buffalo is the seventh best passing team. Cincinnati's the 25th uh, best, worst best pass defense. But Cincinnati... You know, it's the 16th ranked D, yet they only are sixth in points allowed. So while they give up a lot of yards, they, they know how to tighten it up. Who knows if DeMar Hamlin's going to show up at this game? Right. And who knows what emotional impact that will have at the beginning of the game, throughout the game? Who, who knows? I just think this is game is going to come down to which team has the ball last. Ah. And, I'm, you know, when that happens, it's a coin flip, and you tend to go with the home team. So, yeah, Buffalo, 31-30. Getting the ball last, game-winning field goal late at the end. All right, uh, the but uh, Cincinnati does cover in that instance, and three games of sixty or more points until we come to Dallas at San Francisco. Classic matchup. The catch, the the same city as the catch, not the same uh, stadium, but uh, there's been so many Dallas San Francisco. I'm sure. The pregame package is going to be incredible <laughs> for this one. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. This game, you know, it's, a, like you said, a low-scoring game compared to the others, but that's not going to make it any less exciting. The reason I think it'll be low-scoring is because all season long, these two teams have been in discussion for best defense in football. Yeah. Now, San Francisco absolutely finished way higher than Dallas. Dallas struggled at the end. But, you know, San Francisco's defensive prominence was built around their run defense. Dallas, it was built around their pass defense. Both of these teams led the league in forced turnovers. They were one and two. Dallas uh -huh. forcing 33. San Francisco forcing 30. Sacks was the one place where when you really look at it, you find a very distinguishable difference where Dallas had 51 sacks to be third in the league where San Francisco only 41 sacks to be 11th in the league. Oh, wow. Yeah, surprise. Yeah, which was a huge surprise. And, you know, when I looked at that number, it made me think of Dallas's offense from last week and that offensive line play from last week. When I watched that game, that was the thing that stood out for me was just how little pressure there was around Dak, how it felt like every throw, he had that extra half second to full second to make the right decision, and yep. he made the right decision every time. And for the guy to break open. Time. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. So if that line can play that way and hold off San Francisco, that will be the biggest way that they can possibly win because San Francisco is the number one defense in football, number one against the rush, but only number 20 against the pass. So that offensive line, 
you know, needs to hold off that team that doesn't get a lot of sacks and they need to hold that back. And Dallas can definitely score some points. Ball holding the ball possession is going to be more key. I think whichever team holds the ball longer in this game is actually going to be the team that wins. But, you know, old school, that's an old school statistic. And in a lot of ways, that does favor San Francisco because San Francisco, while Dallas has that great running game, you know, with that two headed monster of Elliott and Pollard. Christian McCaffrey is still considered to be the top running back in football, a top five running back better than them both. And he's been running all over the place ever since he got to San Francisco. Oh yeah. And, and, and I, I think that actually, you know, McCaffrey is better than Pollard and I think Mitchell is better than Zeke. I still like Zeke in the goal line, but you know, in between, in between the red zone, you know, in the middle of the field, I'm not going to argue against that. Yeah. You know, but San Francisco, you know, I, I watched that San Francisco game last week and I, I actually marked that game pretty tight. And while a lot of people made it, you know, San Francisco big blowout win, there was a lot not to like about their performance in the first half. Um, Brock Purdy was off on a lot of early throws and everyone's like, oh, playoff Brock, playoff Brock because of the second half. Right. I thought a lot of those plays were made by the skill players more than they were made by Brock Purdy. There was one great throw late in the fourth quarter that he made for um a, a not touchdown and another one there but he was shaky dominant in the second half but shaky in the first half there's been a lot of talk about well he hasn't played any good defenses this year he's played a couple good defenses you know washington finished the season ranked 30 he played them well tampa bay was finished ranked ninth he played them well but yeah you know miami 18 arizona 21st you know, Seattle 26, Las Vegas 28. He's not seen a defense with the kind of, you know, pass rush and with the ability to guard receivers. He has not seen a defense like Dallas's yet. And, you know, San Francisco has scored 30 points in six of their last seven games. All the games Purdy has played. Their defense has given up more than 20 points only twice. But I don't think either one of those numbers are going to hold this week. Oh. I don't see them scoring 30. And I do think Dallas can score more than 20. Oh. And there's a lot of good reasons to go at San Francisco. One of the best reasons is that Dallas is playing their fourth straight game on the road this week. Two at the end of the regular season, two in the playoffs. But while my brain can come up with so many reasons to pick San Francisco, my gut is telling me that Dallas is going to pull it out. The Dallas is going to shake up Purdy, that they're going to force San Francisco to be one-dimensional with the run. And when San Francisco has to be one-dimensional with the run, and it's not just an option, they're not going to be as successful as they would have otherwise been. Another tight game. I'm picking Dallas 27-24. 27-24. So I assume that's four touchdowns and one missed extra point in that game for Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'm going to go on a limb and say Maher makes all his kicks, three extra points and two, two field, goals. field goals. Whoa. All right. Let's 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 add a 50 plus yarder in there because he's good at those. I know oh, that. Wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't that it, be lovely? And and he he's a Nebraska kicker, so I have an affinity for him, but mm-hmm. uh it, it gets tougher when he's on the Cowboys. Yeah. So, so looking forward to next week, you know, I'm picking um, Kansas City and Buffalo, you know, uh, much to the delight of the people of Atlanta. I was going to say that becomes a neutral site game. Yeah. I mean, if I lived in Atlanta, I would just go buy, get parking and tailgate for the AFC championship. That sounds yeah. like a great way to spend, you know, and it's the early game an early afternoon. Yeah. Did you and, ever tailgate uh, for a Buffalo game? 
Many a times. Many. Because I was I, my I went four to years in Buffalo. show up there in Buffalo one time, and it was the same kind of tailgating, different type of people. But it was an amazing scene because there's all those houses just lined up on the way to the stadium, and mm-hmm. everybody opens up their yard for like trailers and shit. It's amazing. Well, they char- a lot of people do that because they charge for parking. Right. Um, so you do that and then you get safe parking. I've done that where I've parked on someone's grass in their backyard for 20 bucks to have a closer walk to the stadium. That's yeah. um, absolutely worth doing. And, you know, the thing about a Buffalo tailgate, something that a lot of people don't know about the city of Buffalo, they don't think of it, is Buffalo is a real big foodie city. Oh, not just Buffalo wings, but Buffalo uh, beef on whack. Wings are great. Beef on whack. Chicken sliders, um, wing dips. There's There's a lot of really unique foods to the area. And so if you do a, a proper Buffalo tailgate with people who know what they're doing, you, you can eat like a, like a fat kid at summer camp. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a really good time. I remember one of my first Buffalo tailgates, that was when I learned that, you know, wing sauce wasn't just for actual chicken wings. It can be used as a dip too. Ooh. And there was a dip contest where a bunch of the people who knew they were going to this tailgate made five different kinds of chips and wing dip. And it was a contest with like, a, like I tell you, it's, it's an amazing experience, but the Bills Mafia has a way of, you know, getting there, um, making, making themselves felt at your tailgate. I remember the first game I went to at Ralph Wilson stadium when it was still called Ralph Wilson stadium right. was Miami at Buffalo. And as I'm walking there, there's a, as I'm walking towards the stadium from where we parked, there's the guy on the back of a giant trailer with a fishing rod. And at the end of the fishing rod is a giant fish that he clearly bought from a store. <laughs> and that fish was set on fire. They doused it in gasoline and set it on fire. <laughs> I so I hope we didn't just catch it. So when people say, people say things like, oh, or the Buffalo, what's a Buffalo? T-? Buffalo tailgates are great. They're intense. Oh, <laughs> for sure. Well, a, I mean, it's not what you see on TV. That's just a piece of it. <laughs> I, I so I went to it for a dead show, and I saw the most brutal fight I've ever seen in my life. Two dudes just like tearing across this backyard, rolling across the tents of like stoned hippies who don't know what's going on. It was it was massive. Yeah. No, was I saw time. that happen. I saw that happen with uh, two of my friends from Buffalo, but unfortunately we were getting uh, in a bottle service suite at the Wynn in Las Vegas, and it didn't end nearly as well as you'd think it no, would be. No, no, they, they have better security. <laughs> Absolutely true. So, yeah, so next week I'm looking at Kansas City, Buffalo, much for um, much to the excellence and happiness of the people of Atlanta. And then the other game I'm thinking is Dallas at Philly. And I hope, I, I wonder if I'm picking Dallas because I'm hoping for this game. Because these two teams, obviously, division mates, played each other twice this year. But the first game was missing um, Dak Prescott. And Philly beat him up pretty good in the first half. But I thought Dallas completely outplayed Philly in that second half of that game, even with Cooper Rush in there. And I was really excited to see what happened when those two teams matched up later in the season. When they matched up later in the season, Jalen Hurts wasn't available. And yet Garner Minshew played a good game. They scored 34 points. But a lot of that came on defense. A lot of that... You know, they, they blew that game late in the end. It yeah. was field position. We didn't get the Dallas-Philly game that we really wanted to have. I really hope Jalen Hurts is healthy. I really hope Dak and Dallas can pull it out because I really want to see Dallas and Philly at full strength next week for the NFC Championship. That's the game I want to see. Well, I got to say, in the NFC, the, the, the matchup that has the least juice to me is Philly-Niners, even though that's the one versus two. Uh, like... 
uh, Philly against Dallas, obviously huge. And Dallas against New York would be huge, too, I think. And New York, mm-hmm. Francisco's been played a lot. Uh, so my heart wants the Giants. I don't I, like you said, I think I kind of agree. As a football They've, fan, though, Philly Dallas is the game. That's the game I want. I worry that I'm picking Dallas because I'm just like to get wishing that my game. hopes to I'm wishing my hopes into existence. But yeah. I do think that's the game. And I wanted to bring that up this week in case it doesn't happen next week. And I wasn't that and have a chance to say it. Well, so. that, I mean, that'll be another great package uh, on the, on the, you have all the, the old CBS Brent Mus- Musburger games of the giants and, and Eagles. I can remember. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys and Eagles. Well, they did all the sure. NFC East games. Uh, sure. So, so yeah, even if we don't get that matchup, we at least got to hear the, uh, the, the preview for that game. <laughs> In another universe, it's definitely happening. Infinite universes. So uh, for sure, for sure. All right. Well, uh, we will see you in this universe next week and we'll check in on those picks and everything. Have a good week. You too. Be well. You too.